0: Good evening everyone, welcome to the show. We are coming to you from the Fendrian cast, I say team car, but um, nowadays it's, uh, it's become almost more of a, of a team bus. It's a slightly bigger vehicle um, and uh, yeah, definitely feels more bus-like uh, than, uh, than team car-like now. Um, so I am James and I will be your host as we uh, enter episode 109 of the show, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly been uh, a journey. We uh, we started out weekly as 10-minute uh, sound bites. Um, we've now got a bit more uh, length to the show um but it's only kind of bi-weekly it was weekly during the tour um but if it's your first time uh on board welcome along if it's not your first time on board thank you for sticking with us it's uh, always good to have you and always good to uh, to be talking about about cycling and the greatest show on two wheels um if you can call it that i've not heard it called that for a while but we'll we'll use that um i have got plenty to talk about this week in episode 109. Uh, we've got some uh, some stuff uh, from the archive uh, to uh, to cover, um, with some interesting uh, chats about Mark Cavendish. We've also got uh, the Vuelta a Espana as a uh, as a topic for uh, for discussion, um, which we will cover uh, in some depth, and um, Tour Britain, which has just finished. Um, and a little bit more um, just about some of the routes and things that some of the things that we've seen and experienced while uh, while I've been uh, cycling around Lincolnshire. Now that that, that I've moved, um, so Mark Cavendish, we did kind of briefly touch on him in the last two or three podcasts actually, and uh, we have the situation where he's again off the bike with um, the Epstein Barr virus, um, which is kind of like. I believe, like a form of glandular fever. And it's interesting that we'd talked about his form in the Tour de France in, um, in a recent episode and kind of almost discussed whether or not you know his days as a top sprinter were done um, and whether or not he would try and go up against the Gavirias, the Ewans, the Gurneregans, you know, those kind of sprinters. Um, in the, the what you know, what remains of his, of his, uh, of his career, or whether he would maybe look to do something differently um, and change the way he rides. Interestingly, uh, another podcast, and I can't remember which one it was, whether it was Cycling News or the Cycling Podcast, also picked this up and ran with it. Didn't quite come to the same conclusion that we did uh, a couple of episodes back, where we felt that that he might look to kind of almost reinvent himself as a classics rider, um, but did say that you know he might might be some different way of of him racing going forward. I mean, again, I've thought about this um, and what we said at that time and. I now begin to wonder whether or not there is the opportunity if if you're in like I don't know a semi-classic and you know you have the opportunity to ride in a breakaway um, are you going to ride in a breakaway that that Mark Cavendish is present in even if he's looking to to be part of that breakaway and contribute you must still you know be getting the vibe that he he's going to be the strongest easily the strongest sprinter in that race. Or uh, in that breakaway group so you know from that perspective he's a marked man's probably a little bit too uh, a little bit too dramatic but he would be the sort of rider that, that would cause a breakaway to go back we, we talked about the, him trying to get in the break in Paris-Roubaix three years ago and um, I think that's probably an example where that break didn't end up going and um, whether it was because Mark Cavendish was part of it. I mean, one thing that, that was speculated about was whether or not he'd look to maybe return to the track, um, do the Olympics, and, and then look to, to retire. But I think the, the other thing that, that's worth noting is at the time of recording this show, certainly to the best of our knowledge, he doesn't actually have a contract beyond the end of this season. And while I wouldn't imagine there'll be a dearth of teams looking to take him on... Um, as he gets older his price will go down the price that he'll be able to command will go down so maybe one or two other teams would would come into the market maybe teams who would like you know a sprinter who who could do it not necessarily at the tour in front of the the top top level of sprinters but you know something like a, a, a tour you know, two or th- where, where two or three stages in the tour of Romandy would be you know an acceptable return and you wonder whether the BMC and CCC merger that's uh, potentially happening could see him uh, get a slot there. Certainly, the way that his um, announcement that he was uh, not racing at the moment was bizarrely, uh, bizarrely handled, really, because Dimension Data put out a statement and then he put out his own statement later, which didn't kind of drive you towards thinking that there was a fantastic joined up. Uh, approach going on so maybe there's something that you can read into that to suggest that that cab's time with with dimension data is is done there's certainly been rumors and internet folk have been talking about his apparent unhappiness at the um quality of the uh, cervello bike in comparison to the specialized bikes that he used to uh that he used to ride at quick step floors so could he be heading to Quickstep or Bora maybe uh, it's unlikely at quick step because I don't see that he'll get the opportunities um, Bora of course have Peter Sargon but he's likely to be a classic monster would a Cavendish in that team help alleviate some of the pressure on them for, for wins um, or alleviate some of the pressure on, on Sargon and he can concentrate on quality as opposed to you know sort of quality and quantity so interesting that, that, that could be a line that, that may get some pursuit um, but the longer it goes on without an announcement the, the stranger that situation gets really and um, so that's Cav, we still here we still you know wanting to be a good rider and successful because we like him we accept that he's near the end and the beginning of his Tour de France stage winning career and that Eddie Merck's record is is unlikely to uh, to fall uh, to him now, but you know there's one more stage win hopefully left in him in a in, in a big big bike race. So fingers crossed for that. Okay, so we talked briefly at the start of the welter. We were only a couple of stages in. Um, it's been a fascinating uh, fascinating race. Um, as always, there's um, lots of tactics and things at play in a Grand Tour. What this one has really had in buckets full really is, is, is kind of a controversy between the GC contenders um, and, and not controversy as in you know, accusations or drug taking or any of the other stuff collusion um, it's been interesting to see that, that Movistar and Mitchelton have properly you know, relations have, seem to have properly broken down and they're happy to almost gamble with the red jersey at times and not chase, and it was clear yesterday when Miguel Angel Lopez was off up the road that Simon Yates didn't want to work with Quintana and Quintana didn't want to work with Yates. Uh, very, very interesting uh, dynamics playing out here, and, and there's a bit of history in, in this race to, to, towards that. There's kind of comments from even you know before the race that. that Mitchelton don't necessarily like to take on responsibility you hear the counter argument from other people that say that Nairo Quintana's you know a wheel sucker and incapable of making his own decisions on when to assert himself on a bike race throw all of that into the mix throw in the first week where Simon Yates talked about lacking in an impetuous racer's na- notion anymore and that he was going to look to ride in a way that was more in line with how a Grand Tour champion should ride and, and keep something back uh, and then he kind of rode away on the first mountain stage and got the red jersey almost by default um, Mitchelton and um, uh, Sky and other teams had had manoeuvred Rudy Mollard into a position where he got the, the red jersey because Sky didn't want to defend it for Kwiatowski and De La Cruz but both of them's GC, you know, hopes are long since over. Um, so you had that middle period uh, of, of that first week into the second week where Rudy Mollard of FDJ was ahead of his team leader, Pino. And, uh, but even at that point, there were situations where who was pulling, who wasn't pulling, which teams took responsibility. There was one day during Mollard's time in the uh, red jersey where... Uh, Movistar were capping breakaways and keeping them at a certain level um, and then we had the situation where uh, Jesus Herrada became or had the opportunity and took the uh, the opportunity to go away by some distance to, uh, to get the red jersey um, and there are accusations that, that Mitchelton should have pulled and, and kept him in check Mitchelton believed that they'd covered the first hundred kilometers of that stage and that they shouldn't have had to chase but you had this epic game of brinkmanship you then had Valverde and Quintana commenting um, in, in their dealings with the press about it you had Simon Yates not saying it is what it is for once he was very snappy um in his press conference prickly I think uh, would be the best word to describe it and so it went on and eventually um, Arada was um, unchained shall we say unhitched and uh, on a super steep finish Yates got that jersey back Um, you feel now that that Mitchelton would defend it or you felt that they would defend it and it was only yesterday stage where the leaders were pretty much isolated on their own. So the only team with two people up there at this point was Movistar because Lotto, Jumbo had lost George Bennett and Steven Krause was on his own. And Miguel Ángel López was chasing Thibaut Pino and trying to gain a little bit of time. What was interesting at that point was that rather than knuckling down to chasing it, Yates, I think, tried to lean not physically lean on Quintana and say well there's two of you there's you and Valverde in this group you should chase him Quintana had a go back and suddenly there was a full scale argument erupting on the bike which um shows the pressure that the guys are under shows that no one wants to do an extra pedal turn um in the wind that than than they have to and it's it shows that, that there's still some very high stakes in this world. so fantastic entertainment um uh, i think that the the short steep finishes um can make the racing before you get to them a bit boring but so far this welter there's been a, a break away most days and a break away that that's had a chance most of those days and has been successful on a number of days as well um it's it's been Really, really, uh, really interesting. And for me, and and we've talked about the Grand Tours a lot on this show, and we've talked a lot about the best, the worst. Um, I think it depends season on season. I think that even though I'm quite old, I don't subscribe to that narrative of people that say it's over, you know, it's not as good as it was. I think the Grand Tours have, have, have been proper decent events this year okay you could say that um in the Giro apart from you know uh, that was fine from super attack sorry, the Tour de France I meant to say apart uh, apart from the GC it was relatively uh, relatively good racing as, as as well um but there was always the element of would G have that bad day would he not everyone was waiting for the short stage so there was always Suspense and drama, and that's what you want out of a, what you want out of a Grand Tour. And you need a mix. You need the sprinter stages. You need the mini mountain stages. You need an Arla Philippe or someone like that lighting up the race. And the Vuelta has been in a similar vein, different but good, different, and uh, a great tour. And you know it'll be a great memory to end the Grand Tour season on as, as we hurtle towards the end. And I can't believe we're hurtling towards the end when you know it doesn't seem five minutes ago that that we were almost previewing the 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 season and we were still doing a weekly pod up until uh the tour of flanders if i remember rightly um speaking of julian alaphilippe which is a neat segue uh into the tour of britain which again seems to have uh increased in quality seems to have increased in stature it's been fairly interesting it's been a good race um I think the Lake District stages worked really well I think the Bristol stage worked very very well in terms of as as a quality finish Um, really really good race and in in Julian Alaphilippe a proper credible world tour winner as Lars Bone was I suppose to be fair but a proper credible world tour winner who seemed to take the event seriously and seemed to take winning the event seriously as well so congratulations to him um it's a shame that after a summer of blinding weather that we've had in the uk we did have a couple of days of um of, of proper belgian weather to uh to endure um but yeah the tour of britain was really good this year and um despite the controversy of aqua blue not starting and them having been the retailer of the event and and, and things that, that that go along with that it's it actually turned out to be pretty good, and the coverage was good. Uh, live stages, uh, and the racing was good. Nice to see Tom Pidcock doing what you know we hope he can do for the next sort of decade or so, which is take it to people uh, on, on short start, short start climbs. So good luck to uh, to him with that, and it will be interesting to see how his negotiations go. That he's looking to get. Um, himself positioned into sky uh, this winter rather than some anticipated it would be next winter so we'll keep an eye a beady eye on how that uh, how that develops for him so uh, listen out for that um we've covered one or two things on the website well worth uh, well worth a look at the moment um we will be having to change the website address, so apologies to anyone who's got a jersey with Fendrian.eu on it, um, and that's because of Brexit apparently, our uh, web host uh, is in discussions with us on how we're going to manage that um, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, a, that's an, a side effect of Brexit that I wasn't expecting that we can't have a .eu uh, web address anymore um, and we were happy to have a .eu web, web address because you know it's reflected the european nature of cycle sport it reflected the fact that we were you know keen to report on cycling and talk about cycle sport across europe um so it's very sad that that, that will be uh, that that will be going um we'll figure out what we're going to do um around that in in due course but yeah that that's <laughs> brexit has done us it's nicked what, they've, they've take, what have they ever done for us they've taken our web address um, but on the website getting back to the point uh, on the website we've, uh, we've written a couple of pieces uh, on the blog about um, changes subtle changes in riding and how our riding's been going just based really on the fact that and, and, and physically um, in terms of moving house we've probably moved 20 miles one side of uh, Peterborough to the other um, we're still in kind of Fenland district although these aren't the Huntington fens these are the uh, fens of South Holland um, but we've also got quite easy access to uh, to Rutland and, and areas like that as well so Hillier there's Hillier type areas available for, for riding um, as well um, and the riding's pretty good over here I have to say um, lots of cycling and lots of bike racing as well that happens in in this part of the world which is uh, of course always a, a real positive um but the, the the wind is the constant thing around here and i, I actually think that, that at times it, it can be even with that short dis- or oh, short distance difference, um, even though the wind is equally strong and it's equally tough at times to ride in here as it was, you know, in Huntingdonshire, it is slightly different in this part of the world. Insofar as you will get a gustier wind rather than a steady, long sort of constant wind in in your face, um, and I had about 20k headwind uh, to come back from my training ride on Sunday and that 20k I think my average to that point was something like 19 miles an hour and it was down to like 17 and a half before I, by the time I got back but there were periods of time where I was getting up towards evens you know during that but also periods where I was struggling to get above 15-16 miles an hour so it was almost like interval training that I'd not actually asked for but it was interval training based on the fact that you know the wind was just walloping me in the chops when it decided to uh decided to get up and i've been quite lucky since i've moved insofar as not necessarily at weekends but i've had the opportunity even for like the odd you know half an hour 45 minutes to get out a couple of mornings a week before work one evening uh, as well so i'm just now starting to to look and plan for that dreaded turbo trainer period of the year so motivation and morale is going to be properly tested um during that particular those particular sessions but i've been very uh, very pleased like sunday i just used the strava course designer and was out in the middle of nowhere in sort of three or four house hamlets that literally are alongside dikes and drains in the fen and it it felt proper belgian when i got home it felt proper belgian that that i'd had you know i'd had windy exposed narrow rural farming roads and they're exactly the sort of roads and exactly the sort of cycling that that, um, that I love and I'm desperate to promote through you know the website and the podcast so my advice would be get yourself into uh, into South Lincolnshire and get and get some riding in you'll get some hills in one direction and you'll get some brutal fen in in the other direction and um but what you will have is uh, is, is good riding whichever way whichever way you head so uh, that's my bit for the lincolnshire tourist board done uh, so that's it for this week's show, I'm afraid. Um, we'll be back again in another couple of weeks. And uh, we will have... Uh, the, the Vuelta will have been uh, concluded by then. We'll be in the midst of the World Championships uh, prep and, and, and events. And we'll talk um, a bit more about that. Um, and hopefully you will uh, tune in and be along for what will be uh, the 110th show in, uh, in the Fendry and Cass series. series. Um, we do still have all of somewhere on a laptop uh, we do still have all the archive um from the old original audio boom shows the 10 minute shows which we are planning on putting somewhere online but that might be a job for over the winter um just when strictly's on really because i don't like it so i'll sit in front of the uh, the tv and and try and get those files um into some sort of shape and uploaded onto our new CastBox platform but thank you very much once again for listening please share um, you can use the current web uh, address the Fendrian.eu address for now uh, and once that has uh, changed I'll be sure to update all of our social media channels um, only remains for me to say have a great week enjoy your cycling wherever you are and um, let's hope for, uh, for some slightly uh, less windier days and some good riding uh, take care and speak soon.